Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Staying with me this morning. It's good to see you. Great to be here with you. Um, we're going to go round two on this. And um, how many of you will hang in there with me today? Okay, that's not enough. How many of you will hang in there with me today? Okay. Well, we've been on a series about love and marriage and relationships, and um, that's a difficult, that's a very difficult thing. It's one of the most difficult things you will ever, ever do in your life. Can I hear an amen? amen. So let's pray about that. Father, we're so grateful to be here today. We love you. We, we exalt you, and God, we know your grace is sufficient for all of us here today, and let us have an open mind and heart and spirit, and Lord, speak to us through your word. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbors. I'm glad you're here today. If you remember the movie Jerry Maguire, Tom Cruise played Jerry Maguire. He uh, is a sports agent, and he put his career ahead of his of his wife and his role as a husband, forcing his wife, Dorothy, who's played by Renee Zellweger, uh, to leave him. It was a big mistake. So when he realizes how much he's messed up his marriage, he goes back to the apartment where she's at, and he goes in, he starts with hello, and he rambles on and on and on, and he keeps going on, and he's kind of bragging, he's apologizing, he's telling her how much he loves her, and he says, you complete me, and he just keeps rambling on and on, and finally, uh, she said, just shut up, you had me at hello. And, you know, sometimes it's more than hello, isn't it? Uh, Carrie and I, we've been married over, uh, you know, 40 years, 45 years this year. And when I saw her standing at her locker in high school, she had me before hello. You know, when, when, when the girls stand at their locker and they're, you know, standing there. And, and the guy walks by. How many of you know you don't even have to say hello? We, we just have this thing, this thing. We're, we're drawn to it. But, uh, you know, everybody wants to be happy. And, and I went through the, the last week or so looking at different things that people said that would really be what they wanted in life. And, and I listed five. I kind of took all the... the um, the, the polls and all of the things that they said, and, and I put them together. The, the first thing, how, how many of you know the first thing that people said that they wanted out of life? Happiness. They wanted happiness. Second thing they wanted was health, then peace, then love, and the fifth thing was money. So the Beatles were right. Money can't buy you love. Some of you don't even know what that even says, and that's pathetic again. <laughs> But, but notice that, that money is at the bottom of the list, but everybody wants to be happy. They, they want to have their health. They want peace. They want love. And, and certainly in great relationships, we can have all those things maybe, except that last one. I'm not for sure, but I, I think so. so. So we want to have those great things in our life, and, and the Bible tells us how to have those. I don't even believe that. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to look at a, a passage here. We're going to kind of look at the whole chapter, but this is the... This this is the verses that men love. I mean, these are the verses that men just say, yes, preach. Verse 22, wives, submit to your own husbands as unto the Lord. And all the men said, 
Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, that he may sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy without blemish. So husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. And all the women said, Y'all are so pitiful today. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. For we're members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and see the wife, see that she respects her husband. You know, these are some very heavy responsibilities here. Easier said than done, right? And and so today we see these things, and I believe the Bible. How many of you believe the Bible? I mean, I believe the word of God is true. I think this instruction is right. So we have to come to grips today. Are we going to be politically and culturally correct? Are we going to come into biblical compliance? And that's a great question for the church. So biblical compliance gives us a a real foundational stability in our life. But if we go the way of the world, if we go the way of political correctness or cultural correctness, how many of you know you're on shaky ground because it's always changing? Culture changes and politics changes, but how many know the Word of God endures forever? So therefore, we come to look at this in a fundamental stability mindset so we can see what is going on in relationships. Tony Evans said this. He said that there was a crack in the wall that appeared in his house above the door. And so he called a repairman and the repairman came and he he took away the old uh, plaster and drywall and he taped and bedded it and put the plaster up the drywall and and textured it and painted it and everything looked pretty good and about a week or two the, the, the crack reappeared. So he thought, well, this guy didn't do a very good job. So he called him back, and he, he redid it and repaired the crack, and, and everything looks fine. And in two or three weeks, the, the crack appeared, and more cracks appeared. So he thought, well, I'm not going to call that guy back. So he called the second repairman in. He said, can you fix, you know, the cracks in my wall? He said, sir, you don't have a, a wall problem. You have a foundation problem. Unless you get the foundation right, these things are going to continually spring up through your home. How many of you know, if you keep treating just the symptom, you'll never get down to the root issue of the problem. So we have to look at the foundational problems. And what Paul is telling us here, there are some foundational principles for relationships. So look there in chapter 5. So let's go up to the top in verse 3. He speaks to us as individuals and not as husbands and wives. So verse 3, he says, Let no sexual immorality, the word is fornication in your Bible, no impurity, no greed be named among you. It should be named among those who call themselves Christians. In verse 4, he says, No obscenities, no foolish talking, no coarse joking or sarcasm. I mean, you do realize that some people use sarcasm as a way to give you a dig. 
and, and to undercut you and undercurrents in the relationship. And certainly, he's saying as individuals, we shouldn't be doing that. And how many of you know individuals get married? So he's saying don't bring this into the marriage relationship. And then he goes on to say we have to realize that this is not good individually. This is not good relationally. So therefore don't bring this into the relationship. And these are the principles of the relationship. So he gives us beginning at verse 22. So let me just tell you this part is just going to be two things. Everybody say two. That doesn't mean it won't be long but just two, okay? I'm not trying to give you false hope this morning. So this word submission here is really paramount because here's number one. So if you're taking notes, write this down. The submission and position of the wife and the husband is, is, is paramount in the relationship. So this is fundamental. The submission and the position of the wife and the husband and relationship and the wife relationship. You see, this term submit yourself is a Greek word, hupostasio. And it means to arrange under, yield to, submit to. It's not a question of value. It's not a question of importance. It's an issue of position. Not value, not importance, but position. So if you get in the right position, things tend to work out okay. Can I hear an amen? So how does this submission thing work? Well, first of all, there has to be mutual submission. Mutual submission. Because look at verse 21. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. Say that with me. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. So we just don't submit wives to the husband, but husbands, we also have to have a submitting spirit, a teachable spirit, because we're both what? Submitted to God. And if we're both submitted to God, then that submission is much easier. But if you're not submitted to God, it's horrible. So this issue of submission and position is addressed by the Apostle Paul. He says that we have to come into alignment with that and there must be mutual submission. There's a story about a captain who was in a large ship and he's, he's in the darkness of the night and out in the far distance he sees some lights. And the light looks like it's on a collision course with the ship. So he calls the signalman and he says, radio ahead and, and tell whoever's out there that they need to turn to a new position. They need to go 10 degrees south to avoid collision. And so the response comes back and says, no, you need to change your course. You need to alter 10 degrees to the north. And so the captain, he's rather upset, and he is angered by that, and he says, send another signal, send another message. You need to alter your course 10 degrees to the south. I'm a captain. And so he gets this response. You need to alter your course 10 degrees to the north. I'm just a third-rate seaman, but you need to alter your course. And the captain's even more angrier. He said, okay, send, send another message. Okay, you need to alter your course 10 degrees to the south. We are in a huge battleship. And the response comes back. No, you need to alter your course 10 degrees to the north because I'm in a lighthouse. <laughs> How many of you know, somebody doesn't submit here, there's going to be a huge collision. And when we're in relationship and when we're in marriage, when someone doesn't get in the right position, there is going to be a collision. 
Now you say, well, Pastor Mike, I don't believe that. I don't care if you believe it or not. It's just the truth. Because if we don't get in the right position, if we don't get this worked out, then there's going to be a collision. Because let me tell you something, about 40 to 50% of all marriages fail. Now that's, that's horrific. That's outside the church. That's inside the church. What happened? We forgot the right mechanics. We forgot the right principles of right relationships. Nobody stands at the altar and says, I hope this doesn't work. I mean, everybody stands at the altar. We're all dressed up in our tux, in the white. You know, we have the flowers, got the, the attendants there, and they're thinking in their mind, well, this is not going to work out. Nobody goes to the altar that way. So they may go to the altar and say, I'll alter him, but, but they don't go there thinking this won't work. Okay, some of you get that on the way home. <laughs> Submission isn't always easy. And you have to do it at the workplace, you have to do it in relationships, you have to do it in marriage, and there's going to be a wreck if we don't do this right. So there has to be mutual submission. There also has to be mutual respect. Mutual respect. So we respect each other. Look at verse 33. Wives, you don't realize that you have to respect your husband. Husbands, realize you need to love your wife like yourself. And he says, nobody hated themselves. So there has to be mutual respect. There also has to be mutual love. Verse 28, so husbands, you ought to love your wife as your own body. He who loves his wife loves himself. So here he says there has to be mutual love. Look at verse 31. There has to be mutual commitment. Mutual commitment. We're committed to each other. Verse 31. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife. The two shall become one flesh. A commitment to become one. So here's this huge commitment of becoming one. Now, now listen, and, and this is a little addendum today, so please don't get upset with me, but I think I need to say it. Husbands, how should you love your wife? The Bible says, as Christ loved the church. That's very sacrificial. And so we have to love our wives as Christ loved the church. So the second thing I want to talk to you this morning about is the communication of the relationship. Say that with me. The communication of the relationship. This is huge. Paul deals with this with husbands and wives, but he deals with the husbands in this passage more than he deals with the wives. Ladies, listen up. Your husband has more issues maybe than you. Is that why Paul is dealing with the men more than the wives? I'm not, I'm not for sure. Okay, just a thought. So listen to what he says. In verses 25-26, he is charging the husbands to do three things. Here's number one. Love your wife. Say that with me. Love your wife. When we love our mate, it shows that we're communicating affection. We love them. The second thing, he says love sacrificially. Love sacrificially. As what? Christ loves the church. Now, there's something going around with millennials and new people today, and I'm going to address this right now because you need to hear it. This is why you hear people say, I, I love Jesus, don't love the church. That is a non-biblical statement. It's the most idiotic statement you can make, and I hear it. Now, you may have been hurt by the church, someone's hurt you, but folks, that is a non-biblical statement. Jesus Christ established the church. I didn't establish it. You didn't establish it. The Baptists didn't establish it. The Methodists didn't. Jesus established the church. And he established the church and it's called his bride. When you talk about the church, you talk about his wife. And usually most men, if you talk about the wife, you're going to get into trouble. And honey, you keep that up, you're going to be in trouble with Jesus. Because the church is his bride. It's the only thing that he's coming back after. 
Nothing wrong with the Girl Scouts, the Boy Scouts, the Odd Fellows, or whoever. But Jesus is coming back after the church. Can I hear an amen? amen. So love your wives as Jesus loves the church sacrificially. And here's the third thing he says, that Jesus washes over us and cleanses us and purifies us with the washing of the water by the word. Say that with me. The washing of the water by the word. So in our relationships, the way that we cleanse the relationship, the way that we strengthen the relationship is through communication. And the Bible says he washes her with the washing of the word. Wash the water of the word over the relationship. Now, the words we speak or the words we don't speak usually sets the tone of the relationship. How you communicate will set the tone of the relationship. I was listening to Jimmy Evans, who's an expert at uh, marriage relationship. He's done probably hundreds and thousands of marriage counseling. He said, I've never heard this in all the years I've ever counseled marriage. When the wife of the husband comes up and says, you know what? When they got in my face and cussed me out the other day, that really helped me out. <laughs> Is anybody listening to me? When he got up in my face and told me how sorry I was and berated me and ran me down, man, I tell you what, I'm a better woman for that now. Or when she disrespected me and got up in my face and told me how sorry I am and what I do and what I don't do, I tell you what, I'm a better man now than that. Listen, nobody wins in that, in that argument. Nobody wins in that. And I'll, I'll, I'll say something here. I will say that nearly every person in this auditorium has been a little bit guilty of pulling some of those stunts, including me. Does that shock you? Everybody has done some things in communication with our tone, our body language, with our words that didn't help the relationship but hurt the relationship. So when we do that, we have to wash with the water of the word. Now, are you using dirty water? Are you using clean water? Am I using the right words or the wrong words? Folks, understand this. Absolutely, this is paramount in every relationship. In James chapter 3, James addresses this. In verse 2, he says, For we all stumble in many ways. We all fail in many ways. If anyone does not stumble or fall down in what he says, he's a perfect person. He's a perfect man, able to bridle his own body. If we put bits in the mouth of horses so that they will obey us, if we, if we can guide their whole bodies as well, then look at the ships also. Though, though they are large and driven by strong winds, they're guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, and yet it boasts great things. Do you know this tongue will get you in trouble? I mean... What's James saying here? He's saying if you can control what you say, if you can control how you communicate, you're doing really good. But if you don't, you're not doing so good. And then he gives us two illustrations. He says we put bridles and bits in horses' mouths to control them. Folks, you can have a 1,200-pound, a 1,500-pound, maybe even you know, an 1,800-pound horse. You can put a 100-pound woman on that horse and give her the reins. And if that horse is trained, that 100-pound woman can make that huge horse go anywhere that she wants that horse to go, right? Or you take a huge cruise ship or any large vessel, and this ship is tons. It, it, it displaces tons of water. But if you look at the back of the ship, there is a small rudder. 
It's not, it's not huge. It's not large. But that rudder will direct that entire ship where to go. So he says the bit and the bridle for the horse, the rudder for the ship, will control what direction the horse and the ship goes. Would that be true about relationships? I think it would be. That your tongue can control what direction the relationships are going to go. Is it going to go south? Is it going to go north? Is it going to go up? Is it going to go down? Is it going to be loving? Is it going to be, uh, you know, affectionate? Or is it going to be caustic and negative and demeaning? So your tongue and my tongue controls how that relationship is going to go. And that's why I said no one who got a good cussing out, no one who got berated or belittled ever said, man, that really helped me out. And that's true about moms and dads. I was going through Walmart the other day, Walmart. It's a lovely place. And... and, um, so th- there was a lady there, and, and I, I couldn't tell if it was a, a very young grandmother or a mother. I, I didn't know, but had, had a little baby up in the, the front, you know, probably 18 months to, you know, a year and a half, uh, two years old, somewhere in that range. And, you know, the baby's just there, and, you know, baby's doing what she baby's doing. She says, stop it, you little, and I won't say the word in church. And I thought, how sad that is. Here's this woman talking to this little baby in such a way. What are people thinking today? Have we lost our ever-loving mind? Have we lost our ever-loving mind? And here we're in a relationship with someone we say we love, we sacrificially love, and we're saying things that we should never say to one another. I'm not saying we're not guilty. I'm just saying we shouldn't do it. Can I hear an amen? So we have to be careful because that rudder, that bit, that phone in your mouth can control the direction of your relationship. So we have to also look at what he said that I didn't read. He said it's a little thing. I mean, you know, it's a little thing, but he says it can be set on by the fire of hell. He said one little bitty match can cause a huge forest fire. So one thing that we say can create a big fire in your relationship. Has that ever happened in your relationship? And then we we say, well, you know, I didn't mean that. Well, maybe you did. I don't know. Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And he goes on to say, you'll eat the fruit of that tongue. You'll eat the fruit of what you say. So are you washing over your mate? Are you washing over your relationships with the washing of the water of the word? Now, there's three observations I want to give you before we leave today. Here's number one. If you want to change your words, you have to change your heart. If you want to change your words, you have to change your heart. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Jesus said that twice in the New Testament. If Jesus said something twice, how many of you think we ought to listen to it? So he says that twice in the New Testament. He says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth is speaking. He said that in Matthew, said it in Luke. So whatever's in your heart will eventually come out of your mouth. So if I want to change my mouth, I've got to change my heart. Here's the second thing. Words can be creative and destructive. Words can be creative and destructive. How did Jesus create How did God create? How do you create? Everything's created by what? The spoken word. God, in the beginning, created the heavens and the earth. He spoke everything into existence. Jesus stepped on the bow of a ship and said what? Peace be still. Three little words and all creation responded to him. 
The power of words are huge. They're creative and they're destructive. So we have to be careful that we don't do those destructive words, but creative words. Your marriage, your relationships, your universe will be created by the words that you speak. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Here's the third thing. Words can either hurt or they can heal. Words can hurt or they can heal. So are we speaking healing words? Are we speaking hurting words? And most of the time when we hear hurting words, it's because usually it's coming out of a heart that's hurt. How many of you know hurt people hurt people? Let me say that again. Hurt people hurt people. So we have to get healed. We have to get well. And when we get our heart right, then things come out of our heart, through our mouth, through our tongue, and we get those things right. Um, Proverbs 16, 24. Gracious, pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul, health to the bones. Did you see how deep those words go? Look at that verse again. Gracious, pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul, health to the bones. They go all the way down to the bones and go all the way into the soul. There are people here today, you are here today, and there are things that people have said to you 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 60 years ago, and last week you still remember. Would that be true? A father, a mother, a friend, a spouse, someone said something to you, and they thought those words just went out there. Guess what? They went all the way to the bone of the soul, according to Scripture. And those words are still there. Well, you're sorry. You're going to end up just like somebody. You're stupid. You're never going to amount to anything. Not only do we do that sometimes to children and, and other relationships, sometimes we do that right in our own marriage. And we think, why am I not getting this great reaping product, this great relationship from my marriage because we have cursed it, we have demolished it with the words we speak. And if we keep speaking those words, it's just going to get worse and worse and worse because it goes all the way to the bones, it goes all the way to the soul. Someone said this, don't mix your words with your mood because you can change your mood, but your words don't change. Don't mix your words with your mood and your mood with your words because your moods change, but once you speak the words, they're out there. Have you ever said something you want to get it back? We've all done that. And once it's out there, how many of you know it's out there? And people say, well, it really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The Bible says that every idle word that we speak will give account and judgment. Now, let me tell you, that's not going to be cool. Because I've spoken a lot of words I'd like to get back. Anybody spoke some things you'd like to get back? And here's the good news. You can't get them back. And the way you get them back is through repentance and going to God and you ask God to forgive you. I mean, he can forgive you of all sin and all iniquity. But... You and I are going to stand in judgment and every idle word we said, if we don't put it under the blood, how many of you know it's going to be played back to you? Man, that's a sobering thought. I don't know if God's got this big screen up there and he's going to play back your life and every word. And this is eternity, so he's got enough time to do it. Yeah. So when I stand in judgment, every idle word according to Scripture is going to be played back to me. So therefore, i got to watch the thing right here because communication is huge in relationships. So here's the question. Are we drawing our loved ones closer to us? Are we driving them further from us? So are we drawing them closer to us? Are we driving them further from us?
You know, we may not think this is a big deal, but according to the Word of God, this is a big deal. So what are we washing our relationships with? Is it the positive word? Is it the word of faith? Is it the word of encouragement? Is it the word of exhortation? Is it the word of love? Is it the word of affection? Or is it dirty water? Are we washing relationships with dirty water? You know, uh, we use the D word all the time. We, we, we talk about how you failed and how you've done this and how you've done that. And the other person said, well, thank you for reminding all those things. I'll be a better wife for that. Or thank you for doing that. I'll be a better husband for that. Boy, it's quiet in here. It's really quiet in here. The early service was, was louder than you. And that hardly ever happens. You know what that means? You're all guilty. No, it doesn't mean that. Let me tell you what it means. It means we're all guilty. That's what it means. Because all of us, at one time or another, including me, including Carrie, we have said things we wish we hadn't said. We have done things we wish we hadn't done. And only through the grace of Almighty God can we get that right. But here's the good news. We can get that right. So are we washing our relationships with the water of the word, clean, pure, holy, because words create emotions, and they create actions, and we have to use the right words. Two things. I don't know if you got it. What is the position of our submission in the relationship? What is the communication of our relationship? Because it means everything to success. Pastor Mike, that is so politically incorrect. It's horrible. You're absolutely right. But it's so scripturally correct it's wonderful. I am going to base my life on what the Word of God says and not on what culture tells me. I want you to bow your head with me. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at Podcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory and hope changes everything.